This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Rocket Pro Insight knows you're more than a real estate agent. Our platform comes with more benefits, like technology that delivers real-time updates so you can get to the closing table faster. We add certainty so your clients can compete stronger. And our real-life support team has your back because you're more than an agent. When you want to do more, Rocket can. Rocket. Visit rocketpro.com slash real estate to learn more. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLS number 3030. You're listening to the West MY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West MY podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. This week we talk about the disappointment of football not coming home, the penalty takers, Declan Rice's stock, the tournament's standout performers and the sad issue of racism rearing its ugly head again. X will be giving us his weekly roundup before ending the show with questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. That's all coming up on tonight's show. X, it's only right that we spend the first section of this show talking about England, like everyone. You must have been gutted that we didn't do it. Yeah, really gutted, mate, really gutted. I mean, when it went to penalties, it was inevitable what was going to happen, wasn't it? And, uh, you know, I said to, you know, people I was with, oh, we might as well not bother to watch this because it always happens. But it's just, yeah, just a real shame because, I mean, it. you know, I thought Italy were the best side in the tournament. Um, so I always knew that they were going to be a tough competition, but um, it's just so heartbreaking when you get so close and you're that near to it and you just can't get it over the line. I mean, you're right. We did come so close, didn't we? Are you more disappointed that we didn't bring it home or more proud that we got there? Or both? A bit of both, I think. You know, I'm very proud of the team. I mean, if you take out you know penalties we didn't lose a game all tournament um i think you know the team felt united the team felt um 
like a team to be proud of. Um, so I'm really, yeah, really, really proud of them. But you know, to lose, it's, I mean, it's the losing on penalties again. That's the frustrating thing. Like you know, if we'd if we'd played really well during the game, and um, you know, they they'd beaten us two one or whatever, just because they got a couple of lucky goals or whatever, it would have been a bit easier to take. But it's just the fact that it's penalties yet again. Like you know, England, England just cannot take penalties and cannot do penalty um you know penalty shootouts and it's just so frustrating to lose on that again i think well on that note what did you make of the players that you chose to take the penalty well it's strange isn't it because like i would have done the like what a lot of people have said and i would have had sterling and i would have had greenish and people like that but greenish i don't know if you've seen this come out and tweet and said he would have taken one but yeah. southgate southgate chose who was going to take it and i mean I, I can understand that if in training you're doing regular penalty shoots out shootouts and they are the five best players or whatever to take them but you know you look at Saka, and i know it's easy to say the benefit of hindsight and stuff but he you know he's a 19 year old kid and he looks quite like you know nervous at times in that game and mm. and uh, anyway and so to give him the responsibility of the last penalty or the, or the well, sort of one before it went to sh- um sudden death so to speak it's just um it's just such a lot of pressure on a young kid that's never really played in any high pressured environment like that. You know, he's never mm. been in that sort of stage and I think it was also really hard for Sacco um, not Sacco, sorry, Sancho and um, uh, Rashford. Rashford, thank you, yeah, to take penalties whenever they just came on the subs. Now, I understand doing that, and it shouldn't really matter, but you do need to kind of have to get, get your rhythm so to speak and yeah. feel feel for the ball and, and so on and I know I know other teams do what Southgate's done and sometimes they, it, it's successful but they literally as far as I'm aware didn't didn't touch the ball mm. you know so then the, the first time they touched the ball was taking the penalty and that mm. and that is that is hard to do um and it just seemed you know I, I like strange when you like you said you had greenish and sterling oh you'd like to think henderson could take a penalty and players like that like you know even luke shaw or someone could be able to take a penalty but they yeah it's just it was a strange choice really i think i mean i know it's easy talking with the benefit of iron so i mean it? It, is, it is a bit yeah it is and i think rashford has taken penalties for man united in the past and yeah. sancho i don't really know anything about him to be honest with you, because i haven't watched german football ever really so i don't know how good he is or isn't especially when it comes to penalties mm. saka was always an interesting one for me because as you said he's 19 years of age and i think southgate's come out since and said that he's been very good at penalties in training but there isn't 60,000 people no, exactly. watching to take that penalty in training, is there? And I'm not being funny. My arse, I would go now at the age of 37 taking a penalty in that scenario, even if I'd have had 17 years of experience at the top level. So for a 19-year-old to take that on his shoulders, credit for saying he would, but I can't help but think that if Grealish, for example, genuinely said, I'll take one gaffer, he's got more experience and he strikes me as a bit of a cooler character and technically he's very good as well. So I don't really understand that decision. And also I think you're spot on with the two players that came on, um, you know, physically it takes some time to adapt to the game, but also psychologically. And that's when you say they have to get a feel for the game. That's what you're talking about. You're talking physically and mentally, and they didn't get that time. And I think you're you're right, actually. I'm, I'm not sure if they did touch the ball 
before the no. penalty. So that's a big ask, isn't it? It is. I mean, it's like when when you like you know you get your keeper um, in the in the in the match. You always at some point early on at least try and knock it back to him with a back pass, just so that he's had a few yeah. you know clearances with it early yeah, on. Confidence. So, yeah, yeah, to get a bit of confidence, get a feel for the ball, and um, and 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 it should be the same for the for the attacking players. Like I said, I understand Southgate not wanting to bring them on earlier because he didn't want to go to attacking and then obviously lose a goal. I mean, he brought them on when we were defending a corner, which in itself I thought was pretty risky. Um, mm. And yeah, it's a, it's just a, a massive gamble. It's just so frustrating that we just can't take penalties properly. I mean, mm. I thought Pickford did really well. I thought that last save, particularly out of the penalties, was brilliant. And and he and he gave us a fighting chance. But you know, he 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 just. Like I think, yeah, probably selected the wrong wrong players, unfortunately, and it's disappointing because I think he also made the wrong sub. I don't, I don't know why he took Declan off. I mean, oh, yeah, yes, man. Declan was tiring a little bit, but then all of them were, and when he replaced him with Henderson, it just it just lost the momentum. Declan, in my eyes, and I know I'm incredibly biased, but I've seen neutral people say it as well. It was like man, it was man of the match, or certainly one of the men of the match at that point, um, and then to take him off we just lost all momentum and I think Henderson's a decent player but the fact of the matter is before the tournament he hadn't played for ages he's barely played in the tournament either so mm. to expect him to come on and make that much of a difference was a lot of unfair expectation on his shoulders really and then he didn't even take a penalty whereas Declan probably would have had he in fact I'd say he almost certainly would have because I've had a few conversations had he been on the pitch and I mean I mm. <laughs> with that in that respect, I am glad in some ways because can you imagine if it was Deck that had done the done mm. the sacker? We would have all been absolutely gutted, wouldn't we? So mm. and kind of relieved in a way he didn't go through that, but still it's um yeah, it's uh really strange and really frustrating to lose on the penalties again. Mm. Well, like you, I'm also biased, but the decision to take Rice off for Henderson was a fucking terrible one, especially when Jordan come on. I thought he was really poor. Yeah, really I poor. did. And you're, and you're right. It did change the momentum and the energy of the game. Uh, and then he got fucking taken off again. I mean, this well, is no. it. I don't think he would, he would have oh, been able to take a penalty. Taken a penalty. That's yeah, right. right. Yeah, he yeah. just got fucking taken off again. And, yeah. and do you know what? I was wondering, because he's come on for Declan a couple of times now, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and I wonder, with Declan... Is he valued more than Jordan Henderson? Because Henderson's gone to that tournament, like you say, playing next to no football for months on end. And he's coming on for Declan in certain games. If he would have been fully fit, do you think Deck would have started these games? Or do you think it would have been Henderson and, and Phillips? I think quite possibly it could have been Henderson and Phillips. But when you think of the fact that he was that desperate to get Henderson into it, um, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because we don't know Gareth Southgate's thinking. But um, it, it was, I do think it was an odd decision to do that. It, it, it wasn't needed because, yes, Declan was tiring a bit. You can see it. He was still making brilliant interceptions. And you know, he would have been playing on adrenaline and stuff so he would have he would have made it through um and also Declan just offers more defensively and attackingly from set pieces as well and as the game starts to you know get more stretched and people get tired and stuff that's when you put balls into the box and you get corners and stuff like that so yeah I, I, I did think it was a bit of a bizarre move I'm not gonna lie Mm, no, it was a great start from England. Brilliant start. And then you start believing from the second minute that this really could be our time. I'm sure everyone felt the same. 
But even when it came to the, the tactical nous of both managers, and look, I, I don't want this to be a witch hunt for Gareth Southgate because I, I do think he's done some good things with this squad. I really do. And, and, and he does deserve a lot of plaudits for what he's achieved. But I think when you look at what Mancini did tactically, and it's funny because lo- last night when I was watching it, uh, when I was sober, I thought, yeah, he's done that. And I can see he's changed that. And that seems to have changed their shape. And, and he's therefore changing the game a little bit. And I'll raise this point on the podcast tomorrow. And then I got fucking pissed and then obliterated. And I couldn't remember what the fuck I was going to say. Um, but I, I, I know from memory that it was around, I think, a substitution that he'd done. And he dropped someone central from the wing, I think. And it did change their shape a little bit. And it looked like when Italy then started to come on top, that tactically he'd... I don't know, gained an advantage on Gareth in that respect. And uh, and then they, they they did become worthy winners on the back of that. Obviously, you know, there was no winner after normal time. But um, I don't know, there's a bit of a question mark over in-game management, possibly, especially when you start talking about that substitution. Because I also agree, I think Declan was right up there with man of the match. I think he has been right up there in every game he's played so far. I think he's had an incredible tournament. Uh, and it's so much so that I'm worried now if, if we're going to keep hold of him this summer because, you know, it's 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 well known that major tournaments, international tournaments, are a shop window for players, aren't they? I mean, I don't know if this is coming in your section at all, but do you think he has kind of um, twisted the arm of a few more suitors? I think he would have. I think he, I'd, you know, I don't have any evidence of it, but how could you not when he's playing at the you know, top of the European competition against Italy, who, you know, had, in my opinion, had been the strongest team in the tournament, and mm. he and he dominated. He was dominating the midfield. You know, he, mm. he was he was the best player in my opinion out of the midfielders, and it just proved again that he could do it at the very top level. And I, I you have to think with him, he's twenty two years of age. You know, he three years time when he probably would have played at a world cup as well and other experiences you, you know 25 is still young you know so, yeah and I, and I think he can he can just go on and um really have like a great career like, like just be an actual world-class player so if other clubs like you know Chelsea Man United or whatever are still not convinced on him well then quite frankly they don't deserve to have him anyway uh, because he is he is a world-class player and I think I think Chelsea are keen on him I think they will test the water in the summer I think they will put a bid in um, I think it will have to be as I said around 80 million or above for us to seriously consider it but I think you know they've got to at least test the water um, because I don't think you get a better defensive midfielder anywhere. And if you, you know, obviously teams need English players as well for their quotas. Mm. Um, you know, there's all there's all reasons. To, and he's captain material. He'll be captain of that squad before too long. You know, he, there's so many factors that would make signing Declan Rice. You know, if you've got the money, a great signing. And I don't think. You know, I don't think that I think the tournament would have all it would have done is increase the interest in him. Yeah, it would have done. And you only got to look across social media, even the neutrals now, who once upon a time might have questioned what the fuss is about. I think even they're saying fair play, Declan is a player, much like we have done with Phillips, I think. Yes, you know, because yes. Phillips has been incredible for England. And yes. I think a few of us were like, well, they seem to be overhyping him a little bit, Leeds. And now, as he made the England squad, you know, and, you know, he, he's been right up there with one of our best players, I think. Yeah. But do you feel, after Deck's performances, more uncomfortable and not as confident at keeping him this season? 
I hope that we can keep him for one more season. That's my hope. I'm not guaranteeing that because I think, like I said, if they one of these big clubs make an offer that's around what and accepted, I think we'd, hard, we'd find it hard to say no to these clubs. But I think my hope is that he'll stay one more season. Obviously, he's really close to Noble. One more season. Noble's last season. Play in Europe with West Ham. Go to the World Cup. Because obviously, if he, if he moves to... I don't know, just say Chelsea again, if he moves to Chelsea and then he doesn't get in their team properly and he blows his World Cup chances, he's going to be gutted, isn't he? So mm. personally, I think you stick around at West Ham one more year, continue doing what you're doing. Um, it'll be a year and a half, I think the World Cup's in Christmas time, the next one, but you do, um, you carry on doing what you do, play for West Ham up until that point, go and smash it in the tournament and then see what happens. By that point, his contract would of um expired uh more so obviously i think he's got three years of an option of four left but you know you know a bit longer you know the value of him starts to depreciate a bit when a contract's running out and then the other clubs can make he becomes more affordable to other clubs and so on but anyway my my hope at a minimum is that we'll keep him for this season but that is my hope and that's not itk knowledge that's just my opinion Mm, I'll tell you what, that's a sobering fault, isn't it, to think of West Ham without Nobes and Deck. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's quite certainly a strong possibility because we know we're losing Nobes. Mm. And I I would, if I'm totally, totally, totally honest, I'd be very surprised if we kept Declan like we have Noble. I just don't think, you know, we'll be able to hold on to him that much longer. I'll give it mm. maybe another season. But as I said, even then, the end of that season, he's 23, 24. You know, mm. he's just, uh, there's no one better in my eyes. And this sounds like a bold statement. There's no one better in my eyes in world football are doing what he does. No, no, I totally agree. Said it but, before, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, fucking hell, it's quite depressing. I think, uh, do you know what's depressing? I think, it's the inevitability that's depressing. Yeah. It, you know, it's not a case of, oh, will he, won't he? I think in our heart of hearts, we all know he will, but it's just a case of when. And uh, like you, I think realistically, if we can squeeze another season out of him, because the thing is, X, there must be. And if there isn't, I can't see why there aren't clubs fucking falling over themselves to, to sign Declan. And you said it yourself, the cherry on the cake is that he's English. He ticks that box for the quota. But he's, he's, his age, his maturity, his, his quality, what he brings to the dressing room, his leadership skills, he's got absolutely everything. And he's just proved himself at a major tournament. You know, you, you look at that and you think with West Ham on the back of a great season, yes, I know he loves the club and yes, we're in Europe. But I, I don't know, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think it's going to be a grind to keep him this season, I think. I'd I think be very it, surprised if, if, he, if he's still here come next season. Well, it all depends whether West Ham, if the chairman stays strong on their valuation, if they stay strong and say 100 million or whatever, no less. But I'm not sure a club would pay that right now. So by default, you'd keep him for a season then. Um, it's just going to be whether he accepts an offer or not. So the board are going to have to remain really strong. As I say, if they remain strong and they reject offers, I don't think Decker would push for a move. But... Um, you know, they'd have to say, but if, if the bid was accepted, then I think he would have, find it hard to turn down. Mm, well, I'm sure Declan's up there, but who was your English player of the tournament? 
Uh, well, yeah, if we take Declan out of it, in terms of bias, I think there's a notable shouts out. I, I, I've always been um, critical of Pickford, but I actually think Pickford had a very good tournament. Yeah, I felt very he felt he was very reliable, and I thought he, um, yeah, I thought he played well. Um, I liked Maguire. I've always quite liked him as a centre back. I think Luke Shaw surprised me. I thought he was yeah, really, really good. Um, Saka, I thought played better than I, I thought. Like, I thought he would. Um, um, and then, but for me, like um, I think the, the star man for England, in my opinion, although not so much in the final, but getting to the final was um, Sterling. Yeah, I uh, really, really like the fellow. I like how he's sort of come back from all the negative press and so on. And um, he seems like a decent fellow. I mean, obviously I've never met him, but from what you see on TV and stuff, and I think Phillips as well. Sorry, I didn't mention him. Phillips. I mean, to be fair, it's hard to actually pick out a player that didn't. Mm. didn't really perform that played regularly enough but um mm. but yeah i think it's a it's a team to be proud of i mean you go through that team there's not a single 30 year old ball by but bar um carl walker and trippier i think i mean yeah. from memory what i can think of maybe henderson but like all the sort of main starting guys uh are uh, uh, young aren't they so the, the future can only get better in the, yeah. in the near future yeah. So having said that, do you think that Gareth's still the right man for the job long term for England? I think you've got to give him the World Cup final, personally. I think he's got, you know, he's got England to, if you include the Nations League, we got them to a semi final there, did he? Was it semi final? Yeah. He's got them to a World Cup semi final, a Euros final. I mean, you've got to think, looking at all the years, you know, we've like, supporting England, they're not that, they've never been that consistent. I mean, I think the argument is with the players he's got, they should. They should be better, but I think that's easier said than done. You know, when they did a quick preview of the England squad on um, BBC um, before the game yesterday, and, you know, you saw the team, you know, Lampard, Beckham, Gerrard, Skulls, uh, not Kane, sorry, Owen, Rooney, you know, Campbell, Terry, Ashley Cole, Gary Neville, you know, the the team was, um, Rio Ferdinand, the team was, like, unbelievable when they didn't perform because they kept getting the wrong managers so the fact that you know that Southgate's got you to the final I think he deserves one more tournament I'd give him the next World Cup especially as it's so close anyway it's not like he's it's not like if he got rid of Southgate and brought a new manager in he could like have a few years to develop towards it it's like not you know it's that close that I would I would say one more tournament for Southgate yeah yeah yeah, you've got to stick with him, and you? you've got to. I mean, mm. he's he's always been very clear that he's he's implementing a new philosophy. He got rid of the old guard. He's building for the future. He's he's you know developing players and showcasing players that I didn't think would be good enough. We've said that, and we Saka and and um, and Phillips. And uh, whilst there are some question marks over him, I think a lot of people have asked them. I think he's also pleasantly surprised us in certain areas as well. And I like him as a fella as well. I really like him. He's a he's a decent man. But then, of course, you know, the, the one area that wasn't great and it did mar the tournament is the racial abuse that the three lads apparently suffered on the back of missing those penalties. I mean, first and foremost, you know, you should be commended if you're brave enough to take a penalty in that circumstance, first and foremost. Yeah. But 
you know, it's also a lottery. The best players in the world misses penalties. And it, 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 that's why it's so horrible to take part in a penalty competition because it is literally a lottery. Yet what we saw or what we've uh, supposedly seen today, because I haven't really been around, I've only heard that those players have been slated again because of the colour of their skin. And, you know, when that coupled with what you told me, and I didn't realise this in terms of all the aggro that went with it as well, once again... Our nation seems to have um, put a bit of a black mark against our name, didn't they? Yeah, it's it's really sad, right? I mean, the fact is, when you're when you're looking at the penalty takers, um, you know, it took for England, um, whether they scored or missed, it should never come through your head. Oh, that's a white one, or that's a black one, that's a you know whatever. It's just it shouldn't even be relevant to the situation because that you know it doesn't matter what the skin color is of the person taking the penalty. Everyone that's taking the penalty is English. That that's what matters. Um, and you know you can criticise a player for maybe the penalty style. I'm not sure I particularly like Rashford's where he does that little you know, steps and stuff. I think just take it properly. Um, you can criticise for the style and the, and maybe, you know, the fact they weren't the greatest of penalties, that's okay. I mean, I would think that's harsh anyway, but the fact that you're using that person's skin colour as the critical thing is just, it's just ridiculous. And and sadly, that is the, the state of the social media or the state of, I don't know if it's, yeah, I think it's mainly younger people. It is the state of it because, you know, I, I'm not going to harp on about my own stuff, but I've had loads of abuse today and yesterday just because I said that I would do a West Ham update on the, over the weekend. And then obviously with the England game and I went to my mate's 40th and a few things came out. I never actually got time. And I just got out. And I knew I was doing the podcast today as well. Got absolutely slaughtered. Some of the things that people were saying to me. And I'm not bothered because I'm used to it. But when you get these situations with the players, like that being called racist names or being sent racist um, pictures and stuff, I, I just cannot understand how social media companies such as Twitter and um, Instagram and so on, haven't done anything more to stop this. Quite simply, if you have to verify yourself on there, if you have to provide, you know, even if it's like me where I've got obviously a fake name on Twitter, as long as I provide a you know birth certificate, or passport, driving license, or whatever that I'm prepared to say is the person that's responsible for this account, then that would just stop it so so much. But I know it's meant to be free speech and everything, but at the end of the day, you, you've got to have some boundaries. And the fact that people can just go on and literally call someone these things just because they missed a penalty for their country when they obviously didn't mean to, you know, and they're already heartbroken as it is. It's just absolutely disgusting. Well, it's incredible how the likes of Twitter constantly turn their backs on this debate. And there are people that have lost their lives. There are people that are depressed because of it, being bullied. And Twitter are well aware of this, yet continually choose not to do anything about it. And I remember talking to this, um, I remember talking to Anton Ferdinand about this. And I, I think that we could be doing more, really. And I'll give you one example. You To get a petition that has to be discussed in the Houses of Parliament, I think you need 100,000 signatures, right? Yeah. How is it we can get that in a matter of hours when it comes to opposing the Super Six League, or sorry, the Super League, not Super Six, Super League, with the teams leaving the Premier League to join that elite league, so to speak. But when it comes to 
proper verification of everyone on Twitter to avoid bullying and suicides and racism and homophobia, the, the, the kind of the idea of a petition in favour of that doesn't even seem to come up, let alone the effort to actually get the signatures. The thing is, though, yeah, you're right. That's a good point. But I think even if they did come up easily, the the social media giants just don't seem to do anything about it. Like they just don't seem to care. Like sometimes, you know, I, I get I get trolled by like quite a lot of people, but I get trolled by this one account, and it's so I'm not going to give them the the attention they seek by saying their names on the podcast. But they have set up four or five accounts, and they've only got slight variations to the name. Always the same profile picture, always a slight variation to the name. Always following the same people, so it's obvious that it's the same person, right? That person's probably been banned from Twitter like five times. I mean, once I reported. Him. I mean, I don't like to sort of snitch, but I had so much abuse from him. I reported him and I got a message back from Twitter saying, you know, something like, we understand your, wherever it was, your claim, we will be looking into this as a matter of urgency. And then, like, I, it, it just, um, so they, they obviously suspend his account or whatever, and they just start another one. It's just pointless. Oh, fucking hell. It's true, but then at the same time, if they didn't turn their backs, they have to get pressure put on them to change their ways. It's as simple as that. And until they get that pressure, they're not going to turn their back on it. Because why would they? No. You know, it's like any powerhouses, any anyone. You know, it's even with the school dinners when the government tried to take the free dinners away from kids. It took Marcus Rashford to galvanise the country, get those signatures, and then force their hand in Parliament to change that decision. That can why can that not be done with Twitter and, and Instagram and Facebook? Because it's not just that, it's a it's a bigger picture as well. It's kids at school mm. and the cyberbullying. You know, there are kids taking their own lives because they yeah. they they hate the fact that they're logging on and, and being told they look this way or they're too fat or they're ugly. And, you know, as a child, you're so vulnerable to that. And you could argue that they should be kept away from social media, but social media should be enjoyed because of its positives. So why not encourage our kids to enjoy social media? But the only way you can do that is for it to be a safe environment. And I'm telling you, all these fucking little wrong-uns that have egg profiles and fucking hide behind anonymous fucking names who just want to spend their life trolling because they're so fucking unhappy with who they are as people. If they then had to be held accountable and the only way they could have a Twitter account was to put a clear passport picture of themselves, their name and their address, knowing full well, like if they were to do it in the street outside, racially abuse someone, then the police can be notified. There's your details. And there's a knock on the door from the old bill. If they knew that I'm telling you, social media bullying and trolling would be next to non-existent. Oh, yeah, and, and a lot of it is chil- is children. I mean, of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but the majority are sort of, I would say, maybe 13 to 18-year-olds, right? I would say, rather like, going on the, on mine anyway, and you go on to, like, your block list and you... And you um, I've looked at the people that I've blocked and stuff and obviously I've actually blocked that many despite people think so I could go through the list quite quickly so obviously at the bottom of the list was when I first had a Twitter account and I first started blocking people yeah and some of these accounts now that I've that I had blocked right from the very start obviously I haven't spoken to them for about five or six years or whatever you look at you can see their profile picture and you look at it and you look at the picture and you think to yourself right so this is how old they are now which was like you know I must have blocked them six seven years ago 
and they look like they're 18 or whatever. Mm. That means that when they were trolling me, because I only block people if they're trolling me, when they were trolling me, they must have been like, you know, like 10, 11 or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. And, 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 and you know what? I, I also think some of these people are mentally unhinged. I mean, I, I think all the patrons are going to know who we're talking about. And I don't think it's fair to name him. I mean, we probably fucking should, but we won't. Um, but he's 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 really the one prick in the rosebush on Patreon who's now had his subscription cancelled by us, by the way. And he's constantly moaning at X because he wasn't putting this news up. I mean, wasn't talking about any developments on the transfer market or anything like that. But then he would message us begging X to unblock him on Twitter. So the fact that he's blocked on Twitter tells you everything you need to know about him. And then he says in a private message, oh, please unblock me. I just get frustrated with the club. I promise if he unblocks me, I'll, I'll calm down and behave myself. I'm really thinking, what the fuck? And then lo and behold, uh, X didn't unblock him. But then he's on Patreon again, basically calling X a clown because he's not, you know, he's not talking about any signings that West Ham have made. And I know... You know, we don't want to harp on about trolls, so we should maybe, yeah. maybe make this an end note, really. But, you know, it blows my mind. I don't know what it does to you, X, but it blows my mind how you can get so much shit for not talking about signings that we've made. It's like you're responsible for going out and signing these players. It's like the club have given you the budget, and because you haven't signed them, then you're accountable for that. And that's what just blows my mind, the, the, the fucking shit that you get for that is unbelievable. And, you know, what do people want you to do? Do they want you to lie about transfer activity so that they can get a few days worth of excitement to ultimately then be told it wasn't true? Because you're in a no-win situation. You could do that, then lose credibility and get shit for lying. Or you don't break any news because there's no news to be broken and you get shit for it. Well, this is what I find funny. Every year I get told the usual say it happens every year, right? So I've already broken the free signings that West Ham have made. Yeah. Never is from Reading. The a, a, a wing quote his name is from Chelsea and um Armstrong whatever his name was, I've got all their names now from Celtic, right? Um they um I broke all of them. I was the first to say any one of them, and they are the only three players who signed. So I think fans seem to think if I don't say a name for a while, Moyes has cut the leaks, to, to, which is again, they, I get that all the time, which is just not true. What what has happened is that Moyes has cut the leaks to one particular site and that one particular site keeps saying it, so to try to try and protect their own stuff but uh, my my sources haven't been cut off anything. I've got more sources now than I've ever have um, and so mine are exactly there hence why I could drop the free signings we've made so far um, and then they always say oh it's either that I'm not in the loop anymore because I couldn't predict a, a fake rumour that was going to happen so when you think of all the players in the world they're criticising me for not knowing that a fake rumour was going to happen um, and and thirdly like you know I am um, I more often than not, I've said the players that do get linked with us, but I said them so long ago that I can't be bored to keep saying the same name over and over again. And it's very, very bizarre because people get frustrated if West Ham don't sign anyone. But then if I say we're going to sign someone that doesn't happen, I get frustrated with that. So it's a no-win situation. But I think to tie it up, and not, like it just is a real unhealthy thing with social media, unfortunately, is the, the fact that people feel like they can abuse each other because it, they're almost invincible because it's online. 
fine. It doesn't matter, um, but it does. And it's still a person behind it. And to give three young lads, you know, racist abuse and missing a penalty. If I'm, if I'm Saka and I'm sitting at that, sitting here looking at my Instagram and I'm seeing all of that and I'm already gutted about what's happened in the football before and I'm 19 years of age, you know, and people are saying that to me. I've been like, obviously, <laughs> the money is the reason, but you'd be like, why do I bother for these people? Like, what, what, why they don't deserve me to try hard to represent them when mm. the minute something doesn't quite go the right way, I get a racist abuse. It's just, it's just shocking, mate. And sadly, mm. like, more these companies need to do far more than they do. You know, yeah. it's been discussed for so long now, so it has to be done. It does, it does. And do you know what the really sad thing about this is as well? is the likes of uh, Saka, or everyone in the team, really. But if we take the black players as an example, um, you know, they would have experienced the whole country coming together, like we have, like every England fan has. It's one of the few things that just restores faith in humanity when everyone comes together to support a single cause, and there's passion, there's enjoyment, there's beer throwing, there's good times. It's escapism for everyone, because it's been a tough time. And that level of unity that those players would have felt representing their country, you can't put a price on that. So the really sad thing about it is, at the very end of that, to then have that decimated by racist abuse from your own people, I think would just kill that feeling of unity. It would completely burst that bubble. And everything that should be a life-changing experience for them in a positive way has just been shattered by a group of fucking idiots that think it's okay to say that to someone. And I think that's sad, especially with Saka, because he's he's the youngest of them all. And I know he's, he's a young man now, he's not a kid, but he's still, I'd say, at a pretty vulnerable age. He's still a teenager, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. To experience that, I think, has put a real dampener on what should have been an incredible occasion for them. And I think that's sad. A hundred percent. And at the end of the day, it must be so hard to... Like, I don't know, go out and represent your country or whatever, knowing that if you make a mistake, that is what's going to happen. Because the other sad thing about it was that it was so predictable. It was so yeah. predictable yeah. that that was going to happen. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you'd said to me, you know, like, if you'd said to me, right, what will happen is Saka, um, Sancho and um, Rashford, they'll come out. Like to get out of the stadium, and they'll have five or six people calling him this word. They'll have five or six others do, doing this, five or six others saying that to them, all of a racist connotation. You'd be like, What the hell? Those people need to be arrested. What on earth was going on? And because they've said it on Twitter, and I know it's been investigated by the police and stuff, but it's almost like you get, you get away with it. Yeah. And I I just, I don't know, they must think to themselves at times, I'm sure they're more professional than this, and they realise that it's just the minority that do it. They must think to myself, you know, why am I representing these people when this is what they do to me? Yeah, and it's a shame because it has been an incredible tournament, really. And, you know, I always wanted this podcast to be one of celebration, which would have been difficult, really, to have celebrated the tournament as good as it's been, having not won it. Because obviously, if we'd have won it, that just would have changed everything. But to have it soured, really, by what happened after, it's it's just a shame, really. It's just brought what has been a really, really good month or so into into a dark place. And uh, it's a shame. 
Yeah, it's just like the stuff afterwards, the fans and stuff, the stormy of the turnstiles, and it's that sort of stuff that gets put into the media and remembered. Not the fact the team played really well, not the fact that you know they've got this unity that they've never had before, not the fact that you know the players are prepared to give all their win bonus, I think it was, to a charity and stuff. You know, like these things that you know get get um, get looked over now because of the fact that there's hooliganism or kind of hooliganism like disturbance shall we say and racist abusing you know and that's what foreign football fans see about England Mm. and everyone's just think geez that's just so uncivilized which is what it feels Mm. like yeah yeah it's true well now the Euros are finished all eyes are on West Ham again so let's see if X can give us anything to be excited about To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated, like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Geico presents Daily Affirmations. Repeat after me. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts are like the ocean. Our thoughts create our reality. Our thoughts create our reality. We're thinking Geico offers claim service 24-7 with personalized attention from an assigned team. Geico offers claim service? Um, I I wasn't thinking that. We think it and it becomes our reality. So, uh, what about washboard abs? Let's give it a go. Think really hard. Okay, abs, abs, abs. Yep, keep thinking. To manifest more Geico in your life, go to geico.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered 
by fans.